I think oftentimes in on Mother's Day especially um, we you hear sermons about Hannah and the great sacrifice that she was willing to make for her child or you hear sermons about Rachel or Rebecca or Mary and you may as a mother hear those messages and hear of these tremendous sacrifices or dynamic demonstrations of faith or, or, or whatever as, as the pastor is communicating these awesome women and awesome mothers of the Bible. And you may hear those and you may think to yourself, man, I know what it was like getting my kids around to church this morning. And you may think, I, did, I didn't see Hannah in myself. I didn't see Mary in myself this morning when I was you know, loading them into the van, when I was trying to poke breakfast down their throat. And, some, and I know, I know, but sometimes you may come into this place and you may hear these messages about all these dynamic mothers and amazing women of faith in the Scriptures, and you may say to yourself, down secretly in your heart, you may say, you know what, I'm not that mother. I, I'm not a woman like Hannah was. I'm not a, a woman like Mary was right now in my life. And you may look at yourself and you may walk out feeling guilty. And I think inadvertently, sometimes when we share these messages about these godly mothers, I think sometimes we can heap or, or you can allow guilt to really overtake your life and you can walk out feeling really small, feeling really awful, feeling really horrible like you don't ma- 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 match up. And, and I want to remind you, even though we're definitely not lowering the standard of what motherhood is and the awesome role of motherhood, I do want to do something different this morning in this Mother's Day message. Rather than going back and looking at Moses' mother or Hannah or or Mary or any of those ladies, I want to look at the lady who could arguably be the worst mother of all time. So now all of us can walk out feeling good, right? And I will tell you, I would love to do when dads fail, but unfortunately I can't find an example of it in Scripture anywhere. (laughs) So kidding. This lady is the reason... Why you and I fail as parents. This lady that I'm about to share with you is the reason why our kids even need to be disciplined in the first place. This lady is where we can heap all of our, all of our, our, our point all, to all of the source of the issues that we have relationally, the issues that we have in, with sin. And it's Eve. She's not winning any Mother of the Year awards. Okay, And remember, this is not to take one of the worst examples of motherhood in the Bible and throw it out there and say, see, don't you feel better? That's not the purpose, okay? I think you'll see the purpose at the conclusion of the message. I want to read, if you'd open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, right, right in the beginning of God's Word. I want to read a, a few different verses. I know we're, we're kind of doing a character study. We're, we're kind of having to, to look at a lot of different verses um, but I want to try to keep it as concise as I can, okay? So I'm going to hit and miss a few different verses. But I want you to look in chapter 3, verse 16. This is what God is saying to Eve after she ate the fruit that God said do not eat, okay? This is God's communication with Eve specifically. God has already spoken to the serpent or the devil and then has turned to the husband, Adam, and has already addressed him. And verse 16 is what he says to Eve specifically. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. 
Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Look at verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all of the living. Now jump to chapter 4 for a moment. And I want to read the first eight verses. Now Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain. And said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit from the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the first fruit of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering, and Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Verse 8, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. Let me stop there. Where we're at in the story is God uh, creates many beautiful, wonderful things, but as the pinnacle of His creation, uh, the cherry on top of all that He had created, He made man. The Bible says He made man in His image, and from Adam's rib, He then formed Eve, and there in the garden, the two became one. God put them together as man and woman, and God told them, now you've got this beautiful garden, it's able to meet all of your needs, but there's one tree that you're not to touch. You don't need to look at it, you don't need to go near it, you definitely are not to eat it. Because the day you eat of it, God says, you will surely die. Death will start coming upon you. So the Bible tells us that after God had warned them, Eve goes out and she runs into the serpent, and the serpent begins to tempt her. Did God really say that you would die? Did God really say, here's what God's worried about. He's worried, Eve, that if you eat it, you're going to be like him. So all of a sudden, the enemy, Satan, the tempter, began to change the way Eve viewed that forbidden fruit, what God told him not to eat of. She started to view it now in a positive way. She saw it not as something she was to stay away from by God, but something rather that God was keeping her from. And all of this, this temptation continued to grow and, and manifest. And before long, the Bible says that she went up and took of the fruit and ate it and gave to her her husband, and he did eat also. So Eve now was given one commandment. One. And that commandment was to leave the tree alone. Don't touch it, don't eat it. But she broke that commandment. And she didn't just break it herself, but she gave to her husband who was there, and he ate also. Both of them have sinned. That sin nature, the Bible tells us in the New Testament, in the book of Romans chapter 5, it tells us that that sin nature that we have within us came from Adam and Eve. It was passed down to us through them because they sinned. Yes, I believe Adam and Eve were two real people. The, the, the census of the world at the time of creation, when God was done, was two. And from those two, sin passed upon every one of us. I want you to see something this morning in this story. It's, it's glaringly clear 
that sin for Adam and Eve had consequences. Totally clear. God warned them ahead of time. If you eat this tree, the day that you eat of it, you will die. God warned them that to, to disobey that one command was, was going to bring about death, which was a process. From that moment they ate, they began the dying process. So what God is telling them is there are consequences if you disobey. They did, and there were consequences. What were the consequences? Well, there were relational consequences. Do you remember what God said to them in chapter 3, verse number 16? It wasn't just the issue of childbearing and the pain that that was going to bring, but He also speaks about the relationship between Adam and Eve. That now there's going to be a unique relationship between those two. That sin did not just have consequences for Eve herself, but it affected the marriage relationship. It affected the union between them. I've often told couples before there's really only been one perfect marriage in all of the Bible and it didn't last too long. And that's what happened here. Had a perfect marriage. Perfect relationship between husband and wife. Sin was not even an issue. Sin was not even in the picture. And then before long, they ruined it. There, was a, there were relational consequences. There were spiritual consequences. The Bible tells us that after they ate of the tree, we hear the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And rather than Adam and Eve running to see their Creator, their Father, whom they'd had great, perfect fellowship with, nothing standing between them and fellowship with their Creator, when they hear the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, rather than running to Him, they run away from Him. They saw that they were naked, their eyes were changed, or their perception was changed because of the sin. And they hear, God's coming, Daddy's home, we're going to run. And they run off into the trees and sew, to them, sew together fig leaves in an attempt to cover up their nakedness and their shame. But God comes looking for them, and that's how He catches them. There were relational consequences still to this day. We only are able to run to God because He draws us to Him. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that we all like sheep have gone astray. Every man to his own way. Naturally, we don't run to God. Naturally, we don't, we don't turn towards God. Naturally, we turn away from God because of that sin nature that has us bent away from righteousness. Away from the God of righteousness. It takes a work of grace in order to bring us to the knowledge of salvation of Jesus Christ. Physical consequences. Ladies, can I get an amen on that one? All right, that'll work. Guys, can I get it? Oh, that's not going to work. Absolutely, you know the physical consequences of sin now, but it's much more than pain during childbearing. Much more than that. Many of us know that the greatest of all physical consequences is that we die. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, Romans says, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible reminds us that it's not just physical pain in this life. It's not just a spiritual consequence of that separation of that union between us and God in that we need rescued. It's not just relational consequences in our marriage or in any other relationship in our life. It's the fact that someday we're going to die. Someday this body is going to fall apart. Or as Paul put it, this tent is going to be folded up. The Bible reminds us that this body is not forever, but rather eternity is. And within this body, we have literally a soul which is eternal. 
And I want to give you the good news this morning is that even though our body will die, that's how Jesus could say we can live forever. Is even though our bodies will die, if our, eter- if our soul has trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we will live forever. Jesus promised they that put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ will never die. He promised us that. There were consequences for Eve's sin. It would be foolish for us to think in our mind that there are no consequences or few consequences for sin. The Bible tells us, God shows us in this story that it's not just God saying, because some of you may say, well, why does God have consequences to sin? Remember this, he understands better than anybody the depth and the danger of sin. He knows what it costs us. He knows what it does to us. And he reminds us of those consequences of sin ahead of time. We have 66 books in the Bible reminding us of the consequences of sin and the danger of it. I want you to see the second thing. There's pain. Now I know, number two, pain. I've already addressed pain physically from Eve. And I've already realized that pain is a consequence of sin. But let me just say this this morning when we're dealing with Eve. God promised her something. God told her before she ever had a child, when He was still announcing the curses on the land, the punishment to Adam, the curse on the enemy especially, God says that there is going to be a seed of a woman that is going to come. While God is speaking to the serpent, while God is speaking to the enemy, He tells him this, there is coming a seed of the woman, and that seed of the woman will crush your head. God, in the very beginning, the very first prophecy concerning Jesus Christ is made right after Adam and Eve sinned. And God says, this woman is going to have a child, and that child is going to crush your head. That child will be Jesus Christ. It doesn't say it in there, but we know it now. On this side, we get to look back, and in light of the inspired Scriptures, we're able to see that what God was saying was, I'm sending a child through Eve. And that child is going to crush. That child is going to win. That child is going to be victorious. You may have turned things upside down now, but he's coming to restore it back the way it's supposed to be. She has two kids. Cain, Abel. Cain is a tiller of the ground, a farmer. He takes his wheat over to sacrifice and offer as a burnt offering to the Lord. They knew God was someone who needs to be worshipped. Abel was a keeper of the sheep and would take the best of his sheep, slaughter them and burn them there as an offering to God. One of the offerings had blood, the other one did not. One killed something that was alive, the other one did not. And God says to Cain, I don't respect your offering, but Abel's I do, that this lamb is dying. Living animal, this sacrifice is made. Cain becomes upset. Walks out in the field with his brother and kills him. Now, I know this morning there are some of you who have lost children. I understand that. And, and as a parent, I, I can't imagine how difficult 
that is and, and how that difficult that was and how difficult that will be. So I'm treading on something that I know very little about. But let me tell you the reality of this situation with Eve. Eve didn't just lose one child. She really lost two. Cain killed Abel. And God said to Cain, a vagabond and a wanderer you will be all of the rest of the days of your life. What God can you imagine Eve? Who has to know that nature that was in her son to do that came because she believed the lie and took the fruit and directly disobeyed the commandment of God. And as a result of that, She did not just lose one child, but she lost two. That Cain would be a vagabond and wandering around and the ground would have opened up and swallowed Abel. In essence, Abel had returned back to the ground from where he came. Eve lost two children. There is pain that is associated with our failures because there are consequences. And I am so glad, I am so incredibly glad that I don't have to end this sermon with two points. I am so thankful that Jesus Christ, that God's Word has allowed me to share a message that does not end with when moms fail, there are consequences. When moms fail, there is pain. All right, let's stand up, pray, and leave, right? The third point. When moms fail, there is grace. There is grace. How? What did God do here? What did God do in Eve's life that was a demonstration of grace? Let me tell you first what I mean when I say that when you fail, as a mother or as a father, as a parent, when I tell you that when you fail, there is grace. This is what I mean. Grace is a way that God intercedes in our life. It is is a divine interruption in our life where God will bring about something in a spirit of restoration in our mess-ups. Put simply, God's grace is what allows our failures to keep from being epic disasters. She still messed up. There were still consequences. She was on the verge of some horrible things. But God stepped in three times. Not once, not twice, three times God stepped in. Let me tell you the first one. If you want to jot it down, it's chapter 3, verse 9. God gets the pinnacle of his creation, sets them in a beautiful garden where everything they have is at their fingertips. All I got to tell you, God says to them, is don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They eat the fruit. They are guilty. They made a decision on their own to do what God said not to do, and they run from God. Wouldn't it have been just fine for God to say, well, you made that bed, now sleep in it. You, you want to run from me? 
You don't want to run to me like you used to do as a loving, as your loving parent. You don't want to run to me. You want to run away from me. Well, if you messed up and you want to run away from me and you don't want anything to do with this relationship, then fine, I'll shut the door. You're done. But that's not what God did. Because when moms fail, there's grace. What did God do? The Bible tells us in chapter 3 of Genesis, verse 9, that when they ran from him, he went looking for them. He initiated the restoration of that relationship. You know why he went looking for Adam and Eve? If, if God, God says in there, where are you? I love that question. Where are you, God says to the trees. Adam says, we're, we're over here. Now, if God is all-knowing, then why would He have had to ask the question, do you think He really didn't know where Adam and Eve were? I mean, seriously, He just created everything with His breath. His words. I would tell you that He did know everything because He's omniscient. He knows all things. He knew exactly where they were. Why did He ask the question? I don't know. So they would come out and present themselves to Him? Or maybe, just maybe, He wanted them to know that they were worth looking for. And he comes over to them and says, where are you? Here they come, out of the trees, ashamed. God had every right. Every right. They had broken his one commandment. He had every right to just let them go and shut the door behind them. But he didn't do that. He sought them out. When they ran from him, he sought them out. Guys, that was the world's first, the world's first game of hide and seek ever. And God won. When moms fail, there's grace. Here are Adam and Eve. You know exactly what this feels like, guys. You've been caught by your parents red-handed. Hand literally stuck in the cookie jar. You can't get it out. Here you are standing in front of your mom with your cookie jar stuck to your hand. Spiritually, that's exactly what happened to Adam and Eve. Here they are ashamed because of their nakedness. They realize now with this sin nature that they're Naked, they're shame. Nudity in Scripture refers to shame. And here they are standing before God, not even having to accuse them. They're guilty, they're condemned. And what does he do? The Bible says he made tunics of skin for them. He would have had to have killed an animal, taken the skin off of the animal and placed it over their shoulders to cover their nakedness. God didn't just initiate the relationship with them, seeking them out. But praise God, He covered their shame in verse 21. And let me show you the final way that there is grace. It's in chapter 4. There's a little bit of a genealogy after Cain leaves to be a vagabond upon the face of the earth. Saying his final goodbye to his mother, he walks. And in verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, which Cain had killed. In the third way, there was grace. God restored his promise to Eve. I told you. I told that serpent and I told you, Adam, and I told you, Eve. 
that from you there would come a child and that child would crush the enemy. And I meant what I said. Your first two, one died, the other one killed him. That's a bad deal. But I'm bringing another child. I'm restoring my promise to you. What God did were three instances of divine intervention in their life in the way of forgiveness, in the way of covering shame, in the way of restoring His promise. Guys, let me tell you something. God still does these things today. He still covers our shame through His Son, Jesus Christ. He still initiates a relationship with us. He still heals the broken. He still raises up that which is bowed down. And He still restores His promise. If He said it, He's going to do it. Always. He will never fail. We fail. He never does. He can't fail. It's not just that He doesn't. He can't do it. He is infallible. For those of you that don't know big words, He's infallible. Unfailable. He can't not tell the truth. He won't lie. Guys, you fail. I fail. Are there consequences for being a bad dad? Are there consequences for making bad decisions? Remember, the consequences that affected her family greatly were the ones that were made before the kids were born. Are there consequences? Yes. Is there pain as a result of sin? Yes. Should we be careful and cautious in our decision making? Yes. But when we fail, do not forget number three. There is grace and that grace spans a lot of mistakes that grace is what keeps our failures from becoming epic disasters book of romans which i believe has got to be the theme of the bible says where sin abounded grace abounded much more where sin abounded Grace abounded much more. Moms, let's put you in a difficult spot this morning. Somewhere below Hannah maybe, but above Eve. Regardless of where you stand, the Bible tells us that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us is messed up. For us to compare our mess-ups to one another is like both of us sitting in a mud puddle trying to figure out which one's dirtier. All right? The Bible says that we've all messed up. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. And let me tell you something, Mom. Let me tell you something, Dads. I believe that there's not one of you that if your child asked you to forgive them, that you would not jump at the chance. If your child messed up or when your child messes up and they come to you and they say, Mom, Dad, I'm sorry, you as a parent want to forgive them. You are eager to forgive them. You jump at forgiving them. What makes you think, we being imperfect parents, what makes us think that if we are imperfect and we still want to reconcile that relationship and we still want to forgive, what makes us think that our perfect Heavenly Father also doesn't have the same plan for us? He longs to forgive us. He wants to restore us. If you've never trusted Christ, 
If you don't know where you'll spend eternity, if you've never come to meet Jesus personally as your Savior, I'm going to give you an invite right now. We're going to sing in just a moment. And I'm going to ask you, mothers, if you've never come forward, if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today's the day. Today is the day. His grace is sufficient for you right now where you are. His grace can keep your failures from becoming epic disasters. And I promise there's enough grace to go around. Fathers, maybe it's you this morning. Maybe you're saying, I, I, don't really, I don't really know where I stand with God. I promise God knows where you stand with Him. We need to talk about it. Whatever it is, salvation, rededication. You know what, parents? Maybe you need to restore yourself to your parents. Maybe you need to work and focus on that relationship with your children because you have an amazing job. 